Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast for today. You know what? Math is hard. Turns out the Ontario government needed to divide by two. Meanwhile, Doug Ford goes on the offensive. He's not an 800-pound gorilla. Maybe he needs to be a 400-pound gorilla. Plus, we're going to take a look at what's happening with GameStop on the stock market. What a weird story that is. got to understand it. And Lisa Kirby joins me to talk about the workplace environment at Rideau Hall, where in space... No one can hear you scream at the staff. Let's get to it. Welcome to Canada, the country where all of us experience things differently, and according to the former Governor General, and of course, welcome to the province of Ontario, where we can't do math. Why is math so hard? Oh, why is math hard? This is in the news this morning. Officials here, the province of Ontario had, quote, this is from the ministry, inadvertently provided data on the number of doses administered to achieve full vaccination, unquote. And as a result, open quote again, the number of people who have been fully vaccinated is half of what is currently listed. Half. So apparently here, you needed to divide by two. Why is math so hard? Why is math so hard? And at the same time, Canada is going to receive hundreds of thousands fewer doses of the Pfizer vaccine. That, according to reports from Global News this morning and the federal government as we speak, is updating the vaccine numbers. We'll try and get you more details on that. The government had promised Canada would receive 4 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine by the end of March. Sources from multiple premier's offices now telling Global News it is expected to be only about three and a half million doses. We have vaccine panic. The vaccine panic is taking over the world as more and more countries are worried about how many vaccine doses will they get? Will we be the back of the line? Will other countries get to travel around the world? Are you kidding me? Are it, Israelis are traveling everywhere because they've all been vaccinated. And meanwhile, we wait. We wait, and we worry about the math. Because math is hard. Why is math so hard? We cannot wait for the vaccine to come to save us. This is the truth. And we knew this was the truth well before now. Nobody suggested that vaccines... We're going to get here and get us out of this mess before the end of this month, even before February. Yes, we expected more. We had hoped for more. And there are very serious questions to ask about the federal government and its procurement, but still, we have to deal with the facts as we have them. We have to deal with what we have right now. In in the province of Ontario, first of all, we can't divide by two. Meanwhile, watch out, because the Ford government is going on the offensive. Watch out, the 800-pound gorilla is on the loose. I'm going to come down on them like an 800-pound gorilla. Maybe it's only 400 pounds. Maybe the gorilla is only 400 pounds because we've forgotten to divide by two. That's a possibility. Developments on what the Ford government is accused of doing. Dr. Brooke Fallis. You may know this name now. He is a doctor formerly at the William Osler Health Center. 
His contract was not renewed in a statement to Global News. He said, quote, When I met with some of the members of the senior leadership team about this, I was told I was being let go as the interim medical director, not because of my performance as a physician or as a hospital leader, but because of my outspoken public statements regarding Ontario's pandemic response. It looks like the gorilla has come down on Dr. Fallis. All 400 pounds, possibly 800. Who can tell? Math is hard. So what does the Premier's office have to say about this? This is from Twitter. This is from Cody Matthew Welton, who is the Premier's Deputy deputy Chief of Staff. Quote, any insu- insu- insinuation, pardon me, let me try again. Quote, any insinuation that the province was involved with this is categorically false. I hate to hurt Dr. Fallis's ego, but no one in our office had heard of him until we received this media request. Is that an appropriate way to deal with this? Is that, that's a full gorilla right there is what that is. And all of it follows, of course, what happened with Dr. Fisman. We talked about this yesterday on the podcast and on the radio program. By the way, this program is available as a podcast. Dr. Fisman described what happened to him, a report published in the Toronto Sun that made allegations of a conflict of interest because he had both consulted the province of Ontario and was on the health advisory board and had also consulted with a teacher's union. Dr. Fisman described the story as a hit job. I'm going to come down on them like an 800-pound gorilla. A hit job from the provincial government. Can I drop a few facts on you? The deaths in long-term care in this province right now stands at 3,000. 473, an increase of 34 in the past 24 hours. At the Gateway Sorting Facility for Canada Post, a worker who contracted COVID-19 has died. And as of Wednesday, Canada Post said 250 people had tested positive for COVID-19 since January 1st. That's an increase of 26 cases just from the previous day. Only nine of the employees were found through on-site testing. More than 11,400 workers have fallen ill due to work-related COVID-19 exposures since the beginning of the pandemic. That according to the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board. There are right now 259 active workplace outbreaks in this province. The second highest number behind care settings. So we have death in LTCs. We have outbreaks in workplaces. And what is the provincial government doing? It's going to Pearson Airport and it's talking about travelers. Are travelers a problem? Absolutely, 100%. Yes, they are. But I ask you this. I rhymed off. Was There was no rhyming. I lie. I listed a series of numbers there. Very frightening. Very concerning. Where is the attention of the provincial government? It's not doing math well. 
Why is math so hard? So perhaps it's not paying attention to the numbers it should be paying attention to. Because no one believed we would vaccinate our way out of this crisis by this point. No one. So we can talk about firecrackers up yin-yangs. We can crow about new measures for travelers. And, and we should test people as they come into Pearson Airport, even though they are required to have a negative test even before they come into the country. So now they come into the country and they have to have testing at the airport. But that, maybe that's a good idea. I, absolutely. Let's get it done. Is it the number one thing that this provincial government needs to do? And meanwhile, we see this escalation in the strike back from the Ford government. And I think that's a concern. I mean, with Dr. Fisman's case, we even had the deputy prime minister coming down on his side, siding on his behalf after the premier's office had called it, quote unquote, deeply concerning about these allegations of a conflict of interest. The Ford government is beginning to look like it is really being rattled by the criticisms being directed its way. Very valid criticisms. And listen, there are successes. Do not, do not mistake what I am saying. It is an extremely difficult position that the government is in. It is handling a number of files. There have been successes. And we must admit that. But the path forward is not to lash out at those who criticize And maybe we can get a math tutor. Oh, hi. Um, just give me a second here. I'm just making some day trades quickly. Just doing some quick investing. You don't hear from the bathroom. That is a term that's being thrown around now. Investing from the bathroom. The bathroom investors are taking over Wall Street. What's going on on Wall Street? What's going on in the stock market? Shall we just check the game stock? Stock. Here we go. It's 300 bucks right now 300 bucks even it actually crested at 469 dollars earlier today then dropped way down to 126 bucks and now it's backed up to 300 bucks this is is worse than being on the behemoth of canada's wonderland up and down and way we go now you may be asking what are, what are we even talking about here well you, you may know that uh, private investors, small-time investors, those that invest from the bathroom, have been driving up the price of a number of stocks that hedge funds, big players on Wall Street, had been shorting. And I'm going to get into all of this and why it's important, but this thing, you can slice it a hundred different ways. 2021 has become the year of the mob. Now trying to take down Wall Street via Reddit, and here's something that's happened this morning. The online trading platform Robinhood has restricted trading in GameStop and other stocks that have soared. Of course, GameStop has soared from 20 bucks. That was where it was just a few weeks ago. And that's I just told you where it is today. Uh, there, all these restrictions have been announced by Robinhood. And this from Twitter, I just saw this from AOC. We now need to know more about Robinhood app's decision to block retail investors from purchasing stock while hedge funds are freely able to trade the stock as they see fit as a member of the Financial Services Committee. I'd support a hearing if necessary. Is the mob taken over? 
Michael Bancroft is co-host of Beyond Innovation, which airs on Bloomberg TV and the CEO of Global Live Media. Welcome to the program. Help me understand this, Michael. Hey, Alan. Thanks for having me. This is pretty wild because, as you said, there's so many ways to slice this story uh, because, on the one hand, you have, as you said, the little guys and the bathroom investors kind of taking you know, on Wall Street and holding them a little bit accountable because, in fairness, if you look at it, it's kind of like the public joining together in this fashion should be illegal. But really, what they're just doing um, is that, you know, Wall Street wants them to be held accountable, but they're losing at their own game uh, to the masses. And I think that's what they're upset about. And as you said, it went from $20 and it's, you know, it hit highs of over $400. But why? And that's the thing. No real reason. There's nothing fundamentally changed with regards to... GameStop and what they're doing. So we can unpack this in many ways. So we can go through what happened, why it happened, and then, of course, what's the latest, because now we're starting to see stocks in Australia starting to get pumped up for seemingly no reason at all. So where where's the best place do you think we, we should start and unpack this for everybody? This is, this is, so this is, I've been spending the last 48 hours trying to explain this to my colleagues and, and, you know, I came into this not knowing much about it. So trying to understand it and then disseminate it to other people has been a real challenge. Let's not get caught up in the weeds on short selling uh, and short, you know, stock squeezes and all the rest of that. Let's focus in on what it means that there is a kind of a Reddit driven sort of lemming-like herd of small investors out there, and now major investment changes are trying to block them. What does that mean? Okay, so, and and that's a great place uh, to start. So basically, um, online message boards like Reddit, where investors can swap trading ideas, some of them started posting on the site and whipped up a lot of hype for GameStop shares. And this, of course, started causing novice traders to buy up shares in a mad frenzy. So this is controversial because you don't typically see huge spikes like this. And like the old adage says, the danger is, of course, what goes up must come down. So people should be very cautious, especially, again, novice traders. You should be very careful because you can often be lured into the buying hype, spend a lot of your own money buying overpriced shares, trying to ride this wave like everybody else, as it goes higher, but then lose all your money when the shares abruptly crash because the stock increase wasn't based on anything tangible. And that's what people have to be careful of. So anybody listening that, you know, trades themselves, whether it's a hobby and you're you're a small time uh, investor and you take care of your money, be very careful because, you know, you could end up losing out. And and so that's probably the biggest lesson here. Um, But again, as you've seen, these hedge funds are losing out. They're having to actually end up um, following through and, and paying and buying these stocks. And then some of them are actually ending up having to declare bankruptcy because they're not able to actually meet uh, you know, that original contract. So it's, it's quite scary. It sounds like a great idea to, uh, and the way to earn a lot of uh, money quickly, but just be very careful because you usually will end up losing. Beyond the, the, the caution of actually beginning to invest from your bathroom, what does this mean in terms of personal finance? I mean, what, help me understand what Robinhood is and the significance of it halting trading uh, on GameStop today. 
Yeah, so basically uh, stock trading apps like Robinhood make it uh, the trading very easy and very accessible for everyday people. So going back to those novice traders, they're getting their ideas from those online platforms and they're able to go to an app like Robinhood, which makes it easy for them to trade. Um, and so suddenly a lot more people are piling on. And I don't think there's a lot of checks and balances um, when it comes to um, making those investments because it seems so easy from these platforms. So basically, um, so today the stock trading app, um, Robinhood, as you mentioned, they started to restrict the trading of GameStop. And there's a handful of other companies um, as well that are also caught up in the controversy. So AM, now, AMC, uh, did, did they restrict... Um uh, BlackBerry as well? I haven't seen BlackBerry um, uh, been restricted, but I, w- I was paying uh, attention to BlackBerry because I'm actually hold BlackBerry uh, stock, uh, trying to be as supportive of a Canadian as possible. But, you know, there was other stocks like BlackBerry, Bed Bath & Beyond, Macy's, AMC. There's a lot more that have started to kind of come into this group of companies that are being watched. And so... Basically, they've restricted uh, the trading for these um, stocks, and now um, traders will only be allowed to sell GameStop shares or buy them for the purpose of betting on a decline in the share price. So that's something called short covering. So that's allowed. And then Robinhood also added new limits on the amount of money that traders can borrow to buy shares, which will make shares harder to buy in general. So there are some of those new uh, restrictions that Robinhood today has actually put in place. And this uh, prevents some of the purely speculative trading from happening. Sure, but the accusation here is there's a bit of class warfare underway, that that somehow uh, the scales are being tipped back towards the hedge fund so they can recover and recoup their losses while the small guy, the small investors, are are cut out of it. Absolutely. And, of course, like you know something's uh, wrong when you see somebody like the new U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Uh, She also said she's monitoring the GameStop situation. And that's a very interesting first day on the job uh, assignment for her as well. So um, and we've started to see, as you mentioned as well, some uh, uh, politicians weighing in and wanting to also um, take a look at what's actually happening, what it means. and, And is there something going on that shouldn't be going on? How concerning is this uh, for the rest of the economy? Do we really know who possibly could have shorted hedge funds? I mean, how widespread could the damage through other funds be? Yeah, we we do. Um, And so I think if if you take a step back and you look at what this means to the um, the broader the economy and the and the, and the markets. Um, basically, this sort of activity is bad for the broader stock market. Just because when hedge funds lose money abruptly on one stock, they sell positions in other stocks so they can actually cover those losses. So that makes those stocks decline, and then the broader market gauges like the S and P 500 fall as a result. So there's actually quite a bigger impact. Um, to markets, not just specifically to that specific stock that we're referring to. I'll I'll reintroduce you again. I'm speaking with uh, Michael Bancroft, who is co-host of Beyond Innovation that airs on Bloomberg TV. Help me sum this up. Help me explain it to other people, because I struggle with it. And I think we both of us are struggling with it at all, just to, to pick a narrative, to pick one line. But what do you see is the takeaway from this, from this small investor driving up stocks and really influencing the narrative in a way that I don't think we've ever seen? 
Well, it's hard for me to be um, unbiased because I, just like many other people, don't have a lot of money um, uh, kicking around to play with. And you do see these stories of a stock that somebody's invested in at $5 and now popping over $100 and then making all of this money. Um, I just think that it will be interesting because we've never seen anything like this before. And I think there is concern around this social media stock frenzy that could be a form of market manipulation, which some market experts are saying. So that shady traders are secretly profiting from. So there's all these kind of um, theories coming out about this. I think at the end of the day, we have to be very careful of uh, the way processes are done. And obviously something like this, it does need to be investigated just to make sure that it's fine. But obviously on the flip side, because we, we hold a lot of, we have a lot of regulation when it comes to hedge funds itself. This is not a, uh, an easy place for people just to make money. I would just say that it sounds great, but it, it, it usually isn't. And a lot of people end up losing. So I would just be very, very careful. But we will see more of this because we've seen people like Elon Musk will make a tweet and then suddenly a, a stock will pop. We saw that with Etsy earlier on as well. He also um, tweeted about GameStop, but he didn't even, you, you know, it, it didn't really say anything. And, and suddenly it, it surged again. So this power of the crowd or these influential people, it's quite astonishing. We just have to be careful because it does not reflect the true value of the company that you're investing in. Michael, great conversation. Thank you for your perspective and thank you so much for helping us understand this a little bit better. It's pretty wild. Well, I'm sure this is a, the, the only thing we've seen in the stock market pop. We'll see what happens as, uh, as, as the adventure continues. Yeah, hope to have you back as we continue to cover this story. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That is Michael Bancroft, who is the co-host of Beyond Innovation that is on Bloomberg TV and the CEO of Global Live Media. Welcome back to the program. I'm just keeping my eye on what's happening with the federal update. And, of course, it's confirmed now that we are going to get even fewer doses of the Pfizer vaccine than previously thought. And there's all this talk about how many actual doses are in the vial. And Pfizer, you know, saying six. And we were calculating for five and all of that. So keep an eye on that. That's going to develop over the course of the day. You're going to hear a lot more about worries about the vaccine and how far down the list Canada is in terms of when we are expecting our shipments. Keep in mind, the last thing we heard from the federal government is we're still on track to get, it's still on track. Everything's fine. But there's going to be increased worry about it. The vaccine hysteria is only beginning, folks, and the vaccine nationalism is something to really keep your eye on. That's a big, big worry. Well, what else is going on in the world? Well, what's happening with Julie Payette? You know, quote, I love this. This is, I think maybe that this should be on a future bill, maybe the $5 bill. Quote, we all experience things differently. I love that. And I love a good, bad boss story, don't you? Can we start casting the TV miniseries now? Space Monster, the Julie Payette story. In space, no one can hear you scream at the staff. This from uh, Canada Press, the review of Rideau Hall that led to Julie Payette to resign as Governor General, found dozens of people who called the working conditions there hostile, negative, toxic, or poisoned. How about some other phrases from the report? Climate or reign of fear or terror 
Dozens said they were like they were walking on eggshells. What else do we have? The thing is heavily blacked out, you see, to primarily, primarily apparently to protect participants' privacy. Uh, what else? We got phrases like the definition of a poisoned worked environment, humiliation, disrespect, condescension. It says participants reported yelling, screaming, aggressive conduct, demeaning comments, and public humiliations. That does not sound like a good time. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like the first couple of newsrooms I worked in as a journalist. I think a lot of that. That sounds familiar. Lisa Kirby is my guest, the CEO of Blackbird Strategies, and I believe you probably have some staff reporting to you. What kind of work climate do you have going on where you are, Lisa? I, I think I have the total and complete opposite work environment of what Julie Payette uh, had over at, at Rideau Hall. It just it, it, it amazes me, everything that I hear coming out about this. It just, everything, I mean, you knew toxic work environment, obviously that's been kicked around, but man, when you get the details, you know, actual, it sounds like hitting and screaming and just, it just sounded awful. Well, it, and it did, and it, it, it over the course of a few days, it just got worse and worse and worse, and of course, now we know why that she was, quote, resigned, uh, because clearly this was not going to be allowed to continue. But you know, it's interesting, Alan, you know, when you look back at it too, you know, before the allegations of a toxic workplace and before of everything we, we now know that has happened in there, uh, do you remember, I think it was over the summer, and there were reports about how uh, the Gigi wasn't even living in her residence because it was still undergoing um, modifications that she had requested including a, a cat door no, and that's my favorite. entrance, right? Because she didn't want anyone to see her coming and going, despite the fact that it's, it's a public ground. I, I love the cat story, I think, might, might be among my favorites <laughs> from all of this. I don't know who would play the cat in a TV uh, miniseries, uh, but I am looking forward to it. Um, I think Cynthia Dale will probably have to play Julie Payette. That's my, that's my <laughs> vote. Uh, but how much does the prime minister wear this from your perspective? You know, look, um, the vetting process, clearly not good enough. And, you know, the prime minister has said as much. Uh, minister LeBlanc came out with even stronger language uh, and all have promised uh, that the next GG, whomever that is, uh, the vetting process, I, I'm fairly certain at this point that we can all agree that it is going to be rigorous like the whoever comes next uh to be the gg is going to go through such uh you know going to the underwear drawer everything and it'll be interesting too in terms of who that person is and i was talking earlier with people about uh the gg and who do we remember as being really great ggs and it took a while to come up with a couple of names and i i think that's I think that's a good indicator of whether or not they were good. You know, were they in the media for good things or for bad things? So I remember fondly Romeo LeBlanc. Um, and we've had a few others that were really great. Adrian Clarkson was also a great governor general. And I think one of the things at the top of the list of the government should keep in mind that, you know, to be a governor general, you actually have to like people. That's a big part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> that rules me out. Um, 
<laughs> I'm off the list for a lot of reasons, but uh, that that's one of them. But don't you regret the, the we we've now moved to a politicization uh, the the politicization of this appointment where I think we had didn't have that before, and I think the prime minister wears that. Yeah, I mean, it, look, we're in a global pandemic. Uh, it is the opposition's job to score points wherever they can. And, and let's be honest, when you're in the middle of a global pandemic, it is hard for opposition parties to get any oxygen whatsoever. And on this one, you know, the conservatives were doing everything they could possible to say, you know, look, this is the fault of the PM because Stephen Harper, when he was prime minister, he had this panel in place to help choose governor generals and uh, the current prime minister didn't go along with that. But I think, you know, there's, you know, there's some lessons to be learned with that. But also Stephen Harper, you know, wasn't a great appointer of people. If we remember, you know, he's the one that made all those, those damn Senate appointments, you know, Mike Duffy, uh, Pamela Wallen. Yeah, I know. Lynn you know what I'm, I'm, I'm most upset about that is that Harper, with those appointments of those journalists, really ruined it for future journalists to get appointed to the Reds. So, like, that was my actual retirement plan, is to finagle my uh, Senate appointment, and that's not going to happen now. Yeah, I think we're both out, for sure. Just quickly, uh, Lisa, always great to have you on the program. I, I know it's been uh, a long month, a lot of tough news. It's a tough, tough winter. Just uh, let me know, what gives you joy, Lisa? Uh, well, you know, I, I live alone with a very large chocolate lab and I run my business <laughs> out of a condo that I don't haven't really left in about 10 months. Um, but what gives me joy, I guess, you know, it's my grandson. I have a three year old grandson and you know, whenever I'm I'm down, uh, you know, I'm so fortunate that he also lives here in Ottawa. You know, I get to go and hang out with a three year old whose look on life is just so phenomenal yeah you know, i went over the, there the other day and he he wanted to dance so i said okay let's dance and he started taking off his clothes <laughs> i said to him i said what are you doing he said dancing is better when you're naked grandma so you know the, you take the joy can't argue you with that yeah you, so uh, that that's where i get my joy dance like you're naked lisa <laughs> kirby always great to have you on the program appreciate you being on today take care you too. Thanks, Alan. That is Lisa Kirby, who is the CEO of Blackbird Strategies, talking about what's going on with Julie Payette. I think Julie Payette might need a little more dancing. Clothed or unclothed, whatever gives her joy, maybe she needs a little more joy in her life, because it seems, as you read that report, that she's a little uptight. And, you know, we just all need that thing in our lives. Breathe in and breathe out. Let me just let me just say this to you. There's a lot of talk today about mental health, and I think it's important that we just take a brief moment to just do a little bit of a check-in on ourselves. And I know you're going to say, Alan, what is it? You just hand out the granola and sing Kumbaya, and we're all in it together. I mean, I you know, I understand. I'm, I'm as much of a one who's like, what, we're going to get crystals out now? I mean, that's my attitude to that stuff most of the time. But I, we're in a worldwide pandemic, people, and we're stuck in places. And, you know, I'm in a closet in a basement in an industrial building in Don Mills shouting like a lunatic. And so I, I think it's all important for all of us just today, and I, I recommend this, is just take a couple of deep breaths. Just breathe that in. 
And but no, put down the vape pen. I didn't say no. Stop that. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget the Alan Carter Show weekday starting at noon.